Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine, a new center for community health, and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. By now, you've probably seen ads about water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere on TV, social media, and probably even following you around on the internet. The water at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune was contaminated with toxic chemicals for more than three decades. It is not rare for people who drank this water for an extended period of time to develop severe illness, including kidney cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, liver cancer, bladder cancer, birth defects, Parkinson's, and more. A new law called the PACT Act allows victims of poisoned water to seek repayment for their medical costs. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it is important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and won't take no for an answer. To file your claim and to have your case prioritized, sign up at SickMarine.com. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. All right. And we are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. It is Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman coming to you live, the Huddle Up podcast on this Sunday, this sleepy Sunday bye week for the Denver Broncos. Zach, how's your week, uh, weekend been going, brother? It's been nice seeing some football outside of the Broncos today, watching the Chiefs go down, all the upsets today. it's uh, It's been a quieter Sunday without the Broncos, but as a football fan, you got to love just being able to watch every single game unfettered. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise to see the Chiefs fall mm-hmm. to the Tennessee Titans, whom the lowly Broncos pretty much handled a couple weeks back. What's your take on that? Is there... If you're in Chiefs Kingdom, do you think those those guys right now are kind of tripping our friend um, Seth and everyone over there? Yeah, yeah. For, I mean that defense just blew that game today. When you let you know Ryan Tannehill go down the field against you, you probably have a problem on defense. The offense is just unreal. Mahomes in his first game back, he looked otherworldly like he always does. But that defense is still a problem. And as long as that's going to be the case, they're not going to go very far. So it's good for Broncos fans. Well, guys, we have a really great podcast and show planned for you tonight. Here in just a second, we're going to welcome on Mr. Nick Kendall, co-host of Building the Broncos and analyst at MileHighHuddle.com to talk about and kind of defend one of his articles that he published just before the weekend, which basically says that uh, the Denver Broncos need to keep the door open in terms of drafting a quarterback again next year uh, in the draft this coming spring. Hi, we're going to get to that, though, in just a second. First, just a couple of quick reminders, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Stay on top of updates when we have programming changes, things like that, giveaways. That's the best way to do it. Find at HuddleUpPod on Twitter. Click the follow button. And then don't forget as well, go over to Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing from Zach and I, 
do us a favor, leave us a creative review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating because that not only helps out the podcast in a very real and organic way, but it also enters you into the drawing that we do each and every month to give away for some Mile High Huddle Huddle Up Podcast swag and especially some new Huddle Up Podcast swag that we're going to have coming down the pike here that we should, Zach, probably be able to announce next week maybe sometime? Yeah, I think for sure that's a definite possibility. We'll be able to unveil that. So go to Apple Podcasts, get your creative review in. We appreciate it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey, Chad Jensen here. The holidays are approaching, and you may be thinking about how you're going to save some extra money. Well, we've got a way that maybe you haven't thought of. You can consolidate your high-interest credit card balances to a lower rate and save with Lightstream. Now you have the extra cheddar for Christmas. You can go get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay, which is much lower than the national average interest rate of over 20% APR. It's a backbreaker. Plus, your rate is fixed, so as rates continue to rise, your low rate won't budge. There are no fees, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply because Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Just for our listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount, go to lightstream.com slash huddle up. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash huddle up. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash huddle up for more information. All right, let's bring in. Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Let's bring in our friend Nick Kendall. Nick, how you doing, brother? Hey, doing pretty well. And also want to, you know, happy early Veterans Day to any listeners out there. I know it's coming up Monday, so some of you guys, you know, thank you so much for all you do and want to start off with that. Hey, man. Well said. Well said. The timing, yeah. That's I'm glad you brought that up. But what I wanted to talk about today, I think it was Friday, Nick published an article. And the premise is, you know, the title is Here's Why drafting a quarterback in round one should still be on the table for the Denver Broncos in 2020. And Nick, I'll go through, and I'm sure Zach has things to say about this as well, but for our listeners, fill them in on what your, your major argument is here in the basis of this article. Well, I know everybody has been, myself included, pretty darn focused on the offensive line and other needs, you know, wide receiver two, et cetera, et cetera. But in the NFL, you cannot compete without a quarterback. I know maybe from our fan base, even to John Elway, you know, repeating that 2015 level defense, that's a shot in the dark. You know, your best chance to compete in this league year after year is to be set at the quarterback position and then repeatedly knock on the door of the playoffs. That's the best way to do it. And for the Broncos, I know they used the 42nd overall pick on Drew Locke, but I mean, he slipped. They didn't take him at 10. Maybe they were trying to trade up to get him at 20, et cetera, et cetera. But not the case. That's not how it worked out. And, you know, 42nd overall, he has tools, but, you know, we're not seeing him yet. And, Really, this upcoming class has a lot of really exciting arms. I mean, obviously, everybody sees Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, two guys that might be out of the reach of the Broncos unless they're willing to pay a pretty penny. But then you got other really exciting arms as well. I mean, Justin Herbert is potentially a guy. Jordan Love is a small school prospect that has, 
I mean, scouts have compared him to Patrick Mahomes. I feel like that's going to be a running comparison, though, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Jacob Beeson, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts. So really it just comes down to how you have to win in this league, and it's a quarterback league. Until then, as a great commenter on Mile High Huddle, as uh, Smiling Assassin said, you know, until you have the quarterback, the train doesn't leave the station. So it's you got to get that guy, and maybe it's Drew Locke. Maybe it's not, but either way, I'm, I'm swinging away. Your take, Zach. I, I don't want to be hypocritical because I've been saying the Broncos have to keep swinging for the fences until they hit that home run, and we don't know yet if Drew Locke is that home run. But on the other hand, we haven't seen one single snap of the guy, and he still does have tools, potential first-round tools the Broncos were considering taking the guy in the first round to make the case that he wasn't a first-round pick. Then again, you can also make the case that there's better talents in this year's draft class, higher upside, uh, lower floor uh, talents, and it really can go both ways. I don't want to sit on the fence, Chad, but being in the middle of the screen here, it's kind of natural for me. I can make <laughs> the argument both ways. I can definitely see it uh, either way. The thing is, also, we're still waiting on more information. You know, at this point, it's a pretty lukewarm take. Oh, the Broncos should consider quarterback. We're going to see Drew Locke at some point. I almost can guarantee that. We're also going to see how Joe Burrow, I mean, does uh, Tua Tagovailoa, does he stay healthy? How does Justin Herbert do at the Senior Bowl? There's so many factors left. But, you know, you either way, you're not competing in the NFL until you're set at quarterback. And the Broncos right. want to bring back some of these older vets. I mean, Derek Wolf, Chris Harris Jr., Justin Simmons. Best way to do that is, is have a cost-controlled young quarterback. So even if it's Drew Locke is the guy or you trade up in the first-round pick, at that point, it doesn't matter. I mean, the Chiefs traded a first two first-round picks, moved from 27 to 10, Patrick Mahomes. They wasted another first-round pick to get a quarterback, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything right. once you get that guy. So if you see a guy out there that you know you rate higher as Drew Locke, and you got to look at that individual quarterback, I think, too. Drew Locke is a sunk cost at that point. And let's say even he does, they both end up being good. You trade one for a lot of capital. So it's really just, it's a lottery ticket process for me. And if you see a guy you love and compare him to what you know on Drew Locke, both the draft evaluation as well as the information you've gathered from that point forward, you know, training camp, how he's in the locker room, how he does with the VR stuff, put that against that quarterback and stack the deck as best you can. Because again, quarterback comes first. I know offensive line, it's an opportunity cost too. Like let's say you love Joe Burrow, but it cost you 10 first round picks to go up and get him. Probably not worth it, you know? Right. So it, it comes down to that. But at this point, you got to be thinking about it because Drew Locke is heading down the path of, not not he, not he that he is Paxton Lynch, but the path right now. Why isn't he out there? I don't know. I mean, he should be out there getting reps. There's maybe something behind the scenes. Who knows? Is he not getting the playbook? I don't know. But either way, you got to get that quarterback. It starts there. And until then, you know, it's, it's a binary question. I don't, it's simple. Do you have yeah. the franchise quarterback? <laughs> yes or no? If yes, right. go elsewhere, stack it, stack talent around them. If no, you have to consider it. They say it's a it's a got man league, right? And yeah. the Denver Broncos certainly have not had a man post Super Bowl fifty with Peyton Manning. But my concern on this is, first of all, Drew Locke. Now I don't know what you want to believe. There's we've heard things behind the scenes at Mile High Huddle. There have been some public things that have been reported that Elway was ready to take Drew Locke with the tenth overall pick. And you alluded to this earlier, Nick, but. And, you know, ended up trading back, didn't even take him at pick 20, and finally moved up and grabbed him in the second round. But bottom line being that he was a fringe first-round quarterback. And I think yeah. were it not for the way that first round kind of fell uh, in terms of the quarterback needy teams having gotten their guy, he kind of led to locks sort of falling and the Broncos were able to capitalize and grab him. Well, now you've got him. You 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 not only invested the 42 uh, number 42 overall pick in him, but you trade it up for uh, the ability to grab him there as well. You still don't know what you have in him. 
and it's a it's a premium round pick. So my thing is we need to see him on the field first. We need to have some sort of a sample size with which to form any kind of an evaluation because at this point it does it feels as you said to use your verbiage Nick like a sunk cost at this point like what was that second round pick even for the Broncos have had an opportunity now since week seven to at least get him on the practice field and yet they've dragged their heels and I don't understand what's holding them back but I just think that at this stage if they plan on going into the spring I mean put it this way what if Drew Locke goes onto the field, let's say, as Mike Kliss reported a couple weeks back or speculated is probably the better word to use. What if he gets on the field at some point in the sec- in the final quarter of the season and plays moderately well? Nick, are you still saying, well, the Broncos need to look hard at this quarterback class? Honestly, it comes down to what they have on Locke through that game. If he's showing flashes, that's great. But if there's a quarterback there that you absolutely love, you have to evaluate what you have with Drew Locke against that next quarterback and it's whatever one gives you the best chance to succeed long-term. That's the one you go with. I mean, there's no such thing as having too many good quarterbacks on your team. Look what the Patriots have done. You know, they have Tom Brady forever. They trade Matt Castle for two second round picks. I believe it was, they're able to move off Jimmy Garoppolo. And now they got a guy, Jarrett Stidham coming up who looks pretty darn good. I mean, you see the Colts with Jacoby Brissett and Andrew Luck there and, you know, both, both injured now, but this league, I mean, even in general, look at how many, backup quarterbacks are playing right now so I think it's about stacking the deck and if Locke shows great I'm definitely would probably rather go a direction you know Tristan Wirfs Andrew Thomas maybe a defensive stud but it's opportunity cost and if there's a quarterback there that I love I think you got to go for it it just comes down to that individual quarterback so it's it's definitely a lot of posturing on unknowns at this point sure. but like if Justin Herbert blows him away at the senior bowl and he's there at five and the Broncos are picking seven and they love him I don't have any issues going and get him and that was my thing, though. It's like we have to also assume Elway is going to pick the right guy in this oh. class. There's so many <laughs> options, and that's a problem for Elway. You know, not having one guy that's the by far the QB one in this draft. They're going to have multiple options depending on where they sit in the in the pecking order. And they, we just have to have confidence he's going to pick the right guy. And we don't even know if he picked the right guy in Drew Lockett. So there's so many layers to this question that, like Nick said, remain unsolved. You keep pulling lottery tickets, right? I mean, that's <laughs> so you it. It. it's a statistical oddity i mean you have a better chance hitting the other ones you shouldn't just take them to take them i mean those first round quarterbacks in 2011 outside of cam newton you got you know blaine gabbert christian ponder and when you guys got like patrick peterson and jj watt being drafted around them so you can't just take the quarterback but if there's a guy there you love and you have any questions you have to consider it it's that important i mean you're, you're not going anywhere until you have that guy my biggest thing is if you even if let's say drew lock comes out and he doesn't even play all that well let's say he plays in week 16 week 17 doesn't play all that well to me, it's still not definitive enough because if you take a quarterback in round one next year or you're, you're, you're basically forsaking the opportunity to put another building block piece around that young quarterback because I think it's, it's within the realm of reason to say it's going to take longer than a two- to four-game sample size to get a definitive evaluation on whether or not Drew Locke really is the franchise guy. And even though the Broncos through their actions aren't exactly – showcasing or displaying any kind of confidence in Drew Locke. Elway during the offseason leading into uh, OTAs, leading into camp, talked about Flacco, Joe Flacco being the guy right now, but Drew Locke being the future. He used that verbiage on more than one occasion. So at least on a from a public perspective, Elway has talked about Locke being the future. My thing is, if you set aside the first round, now second round even, I would say the premium rounds at this stage, 
it would need to be all about trying to build around the quarterback to give this team as, as good a possible chance, including Locke, to succeed out of the gates in 2020 and and see what you really have in this quarterback if you muddy the waters with a Justin Herbert and create another quarterback competition scenario. I just don't see that as as it would be a very untraditional way of going about it, I think, because in most cases, Nick and Zach, what do we see happen with the in the NFL? You see a team take a quarterback somewhere in the first round. Usually it's quite high if it's going to end up being a franchise guy. And then what happens is, you know, they usually sit for a few weeks. And then at some point, usually it's not absolute, but at some point in their rookie season, they get inserted. And then the team for a certain period of time, a certain window, Arizona Cardinals, notwithstanding, they're the exception that proves the rule. But for a certain window of time, usually it's a two to three year period. Sometimes the entire duration of that quarterback's rookie contract, the team is completely invested and closes ranks around that quarterback. They never look back. Each and every draft is informed by that. They build around the player, and then they see what's what a couple years down the road. I can't think of a time in recent history, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm missing something, where there were two, like if, if the Cardinals, for example, had taken Josh Rosen last year and then they took Kyler Murray this year, that would be an example, except they traded Rosen right before, of course, or you know, what, after they had taken Kyler Murray. I can think of two examples off the top of my head. However, they both came with regime changes. You had just a couple of years ago, you had the Browns take Deshaun Kaiser. I think it was 42nd overall too. And then the next year, take Baker Mayfield in the first round. And then also you had the Carolina Panthers in 2010 roll with second round pick Jimmy Clausen and then take Cam Newton the next year. So it's definitely something that's done before. Typically it's paired with a regime change. Maybe there's a scheme change going on, but you know, it, it happens. Those books, I will say, though, those quarterbacks were given a chance. You saw them out there, and they they definitely fell flat. But, again, for me, it comes down to it's not so much. I, I'm a Drew Locke fan. I would have been fine taking him 10-20. You know, I've, the upside and how you have – like, I'm all quarterback, obviously. You're not going anywhere until you have that guy. So I think it's more about what the opportunity is when you're on the clock if there's a guy that you love in comparison to Drew Locke because, again, that sets the table. until And then, you know, let's say you're building – you get a building block piece, but Drew Locke is absolutely not it you know, he ends up being Marcus Mariota. Well, yeah. then you're already out of that window and you're in your potentials capped. I mean, those t- the Titans, they have a great roster. You put on a franchise quarterback with that defense and the young weapons they have. That's a team that's probably, you know, double digits, uh, 12 wins this season, but the quarterback's that important. So I just, you know, it's and worst case scenario. Let's say they both flop. You know, that's that's obviously worse, but you can have both hit and then have a varying uh, level of value where you can trade them. They're both still cheap, so it, it just needs to be on the table. I'm not advocating quarterback no matter right. what. My plan right. would be tackle, honestly, right now. Tristan Wirfs, yeah. Andrew Thomas, and then trade back up in the first round and get a guy like LaVisca Chenault or Jalen Rager or an interior offensive lineman. I want to build the nest, but the quarterback, I think, comes first. And if there's a guy that you love, you got to swing. And that doesn't even mean the first three guys, in my opinion, Herbert, or Tua. It could also be trading back into the first round. The CBA is about to expire. You could get that cheap quarterback with that fifth-year option, the last possible year to do that probably. And you could trade up for a Jacob Eason, a Fromm, a Jordan Love, a potentially maybe even a Jalen Hurts. I mean, I have questions about the footwork and the accuracy, but it's just got to be on the table because it's such a – I mean, pardon my French, but it's kind of a crapshoot, and even more so with Elway. So I'm on the the lottery ticket standpoint where if you have any questions about the guy that you have there – and even if you haven't seen him fully, I and mean, that's, I mean, tough, you know, tough stuff, but you got to take the best shot you can for a quarterback and then everything, then the window opens. Or Elway could just be Elway and trade for Andy Dalton, let's say, and just continue the trend every year. Bring <laughs> it's going to be Ryan yeah, Tannehill. One of those oh, people. Yeah. Right. If, that's what we can hope for. 
I got to ask you though. I was talking with uh, Albright actually today a little bit, just a little quarterback talk. One, you know, definitely no rumors here. This guy's not being shopped or anything. But if one guy did come available, there's one veteran quarterback that I would be very interested in. And that would be Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. I'm with I would too. Yeah, he's got an arm still. He's a good fit in the offense. He knows what he's doing. And with this defense yes. and Fangio, get out of it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' shadow there, Stafford. I feel like it's kind of stymied his his potential there. Yeah, and Drew Locke, though. I mean, you kind of have a young Matthew Stafford-esque quarterback in Drew Locke. That would be an interesting duo to kind of team up and see see what's what. So, but Nick, just to summarize, if in terms of building the nest, we've talked about the biggest needs being cornerback, offensive line, probably being number one. There, there are a few different holes on this roster, and depth, obviously, across yeah. the board has been a big issue for this team. But Defensive depth stage, is stepping up. I do want to shout out to the coaching staff. I mean, Purcell, Devonta Harris, that's shocking yeah. guys yeah. stepping up on the defensive side. Offense, though, not so much. <laughs> yeah. So you think tackles. Tell us tell us who some, for especially for a lot of our listeners and viewers who you know aren't uh, maniacal about studying the draft until it's basically draft time, who are some of the top tackles to keep an eye on in this class? Well, Andrew Thomas at Georgia, left tackle, number 71. I think he's given up one pressure this season. He's not the most incredible. I mean, he's going to be a top 10 pick. He's a great athlete, but he's not the most incredible athlete for the left tackle position. But he's so in control and great pass sets. So he's, I mean, he's really safe. After that, you have a little bit more upside athletically. Tristan Wirfs at Iowa playing right tackle. He plays right tackle, though, instead of left tackle because Iowa's left tackle is more comfortable there. So just to get the best five out there. Some people are like, oh, don't take him high. He's a right tackle. It's kind of the same situation with kind of a throwback here. Uh, Tyron Smith and Matt Khalil at USC back in mm. 2010. Matt Khalil played left tackle. Tyron Smith played right tackle. Tyron Smith could have played either. It's just getting the best five guys out there. Right. So um, those are two guys. Right now, Jedrick Willis is rising upwards quickly, the Alabama right tackle. Alex Leatherwood is a guy who's gotten a fair amount of hype, the Alabama left tackle, but he actually got beat up pretty good by LSU's uh, edge rusher, Chasen, Chasen, this weekend. So we'll see about that guy. Uh, Houston has a guy named Josh Jones, who's a good left tackle. Uh, Prince Tega Wanuga from Auburn is another good one. So there's definitely options. It's your own. And Austin Jackson from USC, a really good athlete, still a little raw, but I mean, every measurable. So let's say it's the, the first round should be open right now. Broncos are should take the best talent available. Obviously you want to lean towards positional value, but like, let's say they take a guy like Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn, very much like Akeem Hicks. Uh, so it would fit this defense really well and give him an interior press, uh, pass rusher, which kind of is how Fangio is building this defense to create pe- pressure organically. Um, and then you could trade back up in the first round and get a guy like one of those Alabama tackles or Austin Jackson. So that's uh, I do think the Broncos are, likely going to have to, but they're, they're going to have a chance to walk away with a solid offensive tackle in this class. What's your take here from Buana Beast? He says, does Tua really have all the tools? It's hard to judge with that Bama team, and he's a southpaw. I can't think of I'm, – I'm guessing it's happened at some point since the 1970 NFL merger, but I can't think of a southpaw quarterback going number one overall. How much do you think that hurts him, and what's your answer here, Nick, for Buana Beast? Well, Tua doesn't have the most overwhelming arm talent, but it's his pocket maneuverability, uh, decision-making. Like He can really dissect teams uh, vertically and just his touch. I mean, it's pretty pretty darn impressive. I think the guy that you'd compare him most to would be Drew Brees, where you know Drew Brees doesn't have a howitzer, but he's so precise and quick with the movements and the yeah. subtle pocket movements that you think he got him, he creates a new window and hits a guy for a slant. So very efficient mover. He is a little bit greedy. Biggest thing I worry about is the... Uh, the the ankle durability so we'll see there um and then 
I, I don't know. We'll see. Tua's Joe Burrow's coming up on his butt. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Joe Burrow ended up being the first quarterback going a, a lot of the same characteristics, but I'd say even better under duress, better under pressure, which is imperative in today's NFL. Nick, we sent you to cover the Missouri Pro Day this past spring where you got an up-close yeah. look at Drew Locke. You got to talk with his his quarterback coach, not at Missouri, but his off-the-field uh, auxiliary quarterbacks coach. I don't know how you'd want to describe that, but Jordan Palmer, who I believe now works for Fox, he just got hired by Fox Sports. What? Uh, what? Do you, how do you think he's handling this? I mean, it's impossible to be a fly on the wall and know exactly and get inside somebody's head, but the way the team is kind of sending these mixed signals, we love Drew Locke. It's all about Drew Locke early in the summer and in the offseason, and then for the last three weeks, they've had an opportunity to get him out on the practice field. They've dragged their feet. Meanwhile, we we learned last Wednesday that Drew Locke's actually been healthy and been cleared now for a couple of weeks. But how do you think he's handling this himself, the way the Broncos are kind of sending these mixed signals? I think he's handling it as good as you can. I mean, listening to him talk at the his at his locker just a couple weeks ago. I mean, I I have little doubt at all that we're going to see Drew Locke at some point this season. Brandon Allen, you know, the Broncos won that game, but was it the system around Brandon Allen or Brandon Allen making plays that really led to those explosive the explosive output of the explosive output of twenty four points from the Broncos? So, you know, Locke is going to get a chance at some point. I don't want to speculate too much on what the Broncos are doing. I mean, obviously, like in any organization, there's different pulls and forces as well. I mean, from what Elway wants to what the head coaches want to, you know, what the locker room wants. So there's different forces at work, but I have, I have little doubt at all that we're going to see lock at some point, hopefully the final five weeks, but I would be beyond shocked if not the last two weeks. All right. One more question for you. Cause I know you got to get out of here and then we'll, uh, we'll get to what some of our, our live viewers here, what's on your mind, guys, we're starting, the comments are starting to come through that I can see them and, and uh, put them on the screen. Simple, simple uh, answer on this question, Nick. Do the Broncos, bold prediction time, starting tomorrow. Well, it might not be tomorrow, but Tuesday, Wednesday. Will Drew Locke actually begin practicing this week, you think? I think he has to. I think he has to. I mean, even if he's – I mean, is Britt Rippon going to be the guy that goes out there and play? you got to see what you have in Drew Locke, especially if you keep losing. The, the second half of the schedule is tough, and you have assets in the top – 120 140 in the draft where you can be aggressive in this class if there is a quarterback you like or an offensive tackle you know so i think you have to go out there and see somewhat what he has i'm guessing he's going to have some issues you know from the footwork to reading the defense i mean he's 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 a rookie and it's going to be first time playing an under, under center offense but i would be beyond shocked if he doesn't place in or practice in all right nick by the way thanks for joining us of course and congratulations on uh, getting married, getting hitched. What's it been? Two weeks ago now, officially that you were hitched. Was it two weeks ago? Two weeks today. Yep. Yeah. So with your uh, with your high school sweetheart, right? Yep. Uh, high school sweetheart started dating end of junior year and uh, went to different colleges, but stuck together. So we've been dating. We were dating ten years and finally made it official. Well, nice. congratulations, congratulations, brother! And I'm sure all our listeners are looking forward to the next episode of Building the Broncos, which everyone can look forward to downloading and listening to on Wednesday. Make sure you find Nick on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. He's dropping knowledge on the reg from the draft to the Broncos to pretty much everything NFL. If you're a football junkie, you got to be following Nick on Twitter. So Nick, thanks for joining us, my brother. And we'll uh, look forward to getting you back on the show at some point down the road. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. And again, you know, happy veterans day to any of the listeners out there. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be on, I mean, a lot more draft talk to come. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach. So, you know, I, th- I think it was worth a conversation to bring yeah. Nick on. And it's kind of fun getting to use this StreamYard and the different tools that are available to us to make compelling content for our viewers. And p- apologies, guys. I just got notified from StreamYard that they are having a technical issue with the stream, the comment stream. So it's uh, it's on the, the, the tech company that we're using to stream this. So they're starting to come through, though. So we're going to get to some of your questions. But I don't know, Zach, I remain pretty much of the opinion that until and unless the Broncos get a sizable a sample from Drew Locke this year, you really can't go back to the quarterback well so soon unless you're just really willing to waste that pick on Drew Locke. Or unless you're just sold on the guy that you're scouting in this year's draft class, whether that's Burrow or Tua or, or, uh, or Herbert. If, if Elway falls in love with the guy, same as he did to a, a smaller scale on Drew Locke, I think he would sell the farm for him. I could see it going either way, but with Elway, it's so unpredictable. You never know which way he's going to be leaning. You can certainly make the case for both. But yeah, until we see at least one quarter of Drew Locke in a regular season game with the Broncos, I don't see how you advocate taking a quarterback over an offensive tackle or a safety or a cornerback. I just don't see how that you can make that argument and have it hold water consistently. All right, let's get to some of our listener-viewer questions here. And I can tell that it's we're not not every comment that's been made or question is coming through for us to see here. So you'll just have to bear with us on this particular podcast, you guys. But Buana uh, Beast, my question is: with the Packers taking pretty much two draft classes to get their secondary to work, can the Broncos fix our DBs in a single year with a combination of draft and free agency? And Zach, I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. And especially with the positive signs that we're seeing from Devonte Harris, I mean. We'll see what happens with Chris Harris. I think they really need to, as a team, considering Bryce Callahan's foot and the question marks that that leaves with regard to his future, you know, the, the emergence of Devontae Harris helps. The emergence of Devontae Bosby before he hurt his neck helps. But you need a lockdown guy that you can count on, which is why you need to plan on budgeting some of that 70-plus million that they're going to have in the, on the cap next year to keep Chris Harris Jr. in the orange and blue on this last, you know, big contract that he can get. Kind of like yeah. Champ Bailey circa 2011, sorry. 
Right. You can't rely on Callahan coming back, and you can't rely on Bosby or Harris developing into long-term consistent starters. You have to keep the secondary together as much as possible. Justin Simmons is 1A, and Chris Harris Jr. to me is 1B. If you're going to have at least $60 million in cap space, that's more than enough to keep both players in Denver. I would absolutely look for the Broncos. And and Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, two secondary-oriented coaches, to keep that strength in place. They have Kareem Jackson. They have Simmons at safety. But there's murkiness at cornerback. They have to try to keep the best players they can at that position. Ben says, what about the talks of Cam Newton and Marcus Mariota? Nope, nope. In what football world would you want either one of those guys in the Mile High City? I mean, Cam Newton, I can at least understand the argument because he's been to the top of the mountain, or at least he's gotten to the top of the mountain. Didn't quite get over the hill because the Broncos shut him down in Super Bowl 50. But we've seen him play at an MVP level. Marcus Mariota is a bona fide bust, Zach. Well, I mean, we saw what the Broncos did to him. He got benched for Tannehill. Why would anyone want? He, he literally lost his job to Ryan Tannehill, got ran out of Miami, who's now tanking this season. So what does that even tell you? I, I don't know why any Broncos fan, after seeing the Case Keenum and Joe Flacco disasters, wants any quarterback not named maybe Matthew Stafford, Phillip Rivers, maybe Tom Brady, but why go to Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton? It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Solomon says, why can't we all get behind Locke and ride the ups and downs and let the kid be what we all think he can be? And, you know, that's pretty much far be it for me to, you know, start the Drew Locke fan club here, but I pretty much am in agreement with that premise is in that, you know, the Broncos, they need to, uh, whenever they go to Drew Locke, let, let me just put it this way whether that ends up being week 16 or week 17, we're going to get a a look at Locke this year. And once that happens, Zach, the Broncos can't, my opinion is, the Broncos cannot turn away from that at least until the end of 2020. Like you have to give him a full year with the full faith and support of the Denver Broncos behind him. Yeah, but it it works both ways in the sense that we can't, you know, presume the Broncos are going to draft a quarterback and the same way we can't go all in on Drew Locke right now. He really has to let the process play out. We have to see him in at least one regular season game. But I agree with you. And it's the same point we've been making podcast after podcast after podcast. He can't have just two games at the end of a lost season. He has to have preferably half a season at least to see if he can develop, if he can improve, if he can be even in a competition to start next offseason. Two games isn't enough, but you have to really pick one way or the other. Elway, he's fence-sat to this point, and he has to pick a fork in the road uh, soon. Anthony says, Locke needs to play, period. Or if not, Elway needs to get it together. This would be an awful look for Denver. It already is an awful look for Denver. They've triggered a lot of questions around the NFL why they're not uh, showing s- at least a little urgency to get Locke on the field when your starter that you, you know, traded a fourth round pick to get here in Joe Flacco, he goes down with a neck injury. Why aren't you moving mountains to get this kid on the field? <clears throat> you know, as soon as possible. It's it's creating some questions here. Uh, Mile high huddle. OG Khalid Ashami says hmm. Brandon Allen has a shot at being a franchise quarterback in the XFL. Maybe spot starts are his NFL ceiling. And that kind of is an answer, I think, to a previous question here from our viewer, Andy. He says, thoughts on Allen and his future this season with Locke. Zach, I think, I mean, my take on Brandon Allen is that he's a more athletic version of Trevor Simeon. And what is Trevor Simeon? He's a backup. He's an oh crap start uh, spot starter that you want to have when you know what hits the fan. 
I'm 100% with you, but I will say it's always good to have those guys on the roster. Just look at the 49ers. They're carrying three, and they have a franchise quarterback and two young developing backups in place behind them. So it's always good to have a Simeon on the roster. God knows the Broncos would take Simeon right now over Joe Flacco, um, but that's probably his ceiling as a spot starter at, at his highest point, probably low, maybe a long-term backup. Stewart says we need a better offensive line for Locke or whomever it is, and that's absolutely true as well, which is why – Earlier this season, before the trade deadline, I was one of those guys that, you know, I wasn't going crazy about it, but I was advocating for the Broncos to take a look at what it would take, pick up the phone, call Bruce Allen over there in Washington, D.C., and find out what it would take to get Trent Williams, because whether it's Drew Locke this year, Drew Locke next year, or a different quarterback, Garrett Bolzak, that's one thing we do know with absolute certainty and assurity at this point. He's not the answer at left tackle. We know they're going to have to do something different at that position beyond 2020. I um I agree with with picking up uh, Trent Williams though I I wouldn't sell the farm for the guy though I wouldn't give up a first round pick because you have to take on his contract and all his baggage I listening to Nick talk though what what assures me about the Broncos assuming they're picking top ten or thereabouts they're pretty much guaranteed to come away with either a quarterback or a left tackle if they want so it's a pretty good position in a draft where those are the two biggest positions of need where it's a, kind of a top heavy class at those spots Leroy says the problem of all this is John Elway. The fans looking for the next John Elway, and it's not going to happen. This trend has been going on for years since the Mike Shanahan days, not patient enough to develop the quarterback position. And I think there's something to what he's saying, especially that last comment that, you know, does Elway, he, we, we've talked a lot about on this podcast over the last couple of years that Elway is willing to kind of sacrifice the long-term viability of this team for the short, the short-term compulsion to win now. Right. And we've seen that that's not a model. He struck, you know, uh, caught lightning in a bottle, whatever you want to say with Peyton Manning. But that model has not worked for this team post Super Bowl 50, which is why, Zach, it's time to officially turn the page, get your young quarterback that you invested a second round pick in on the field and give him the full faith and support of the franchise and see what he can do. It also, to me, doesn't buy Elway in limited time or limited get-out-of-jail-free cards. I mean, it's been half a decade since Peyton Manning, and he signed. I mean, it was a good deal to sign to get him under contract, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. But he's one of the best quarterbacks in history. Of course he was going to make the Broncos a better team. It's not so much Elway, you know, scouting some seventh-round pick and then turning into some Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, he made a good move there, but five years later, he's driven the franchise pretty much into the ground. So he's added excuses to me. He has to get it together. And fast. Sheldon says, Chase Young or an offensive tackle round one next year? And is Drew Locke hopefully the answer for the Broncos? Yeah. Thanks for the good work, guys. Well, yeah, hopefully he's the answer. Um, we don't know yet. We don't though. know. Yeah. But I don't think it would be make much sense at all for Denver to go after Chase Young in the draft no. first round next next spring, Zach. Oh, offensive tackle for me all the way. Yeah, even if Derek Wolf is, is gone or he retires or whatever, they have to go quarterback or left tackle in this draft class. There's just uh, there's no two ways about it. They're two biggest needs and two most important positions to me in all football. Big Daddy Kane, a comedian. Burrow in Spanish is donkey. All right, keep that it's, in mind, you guys. It's fate. It's meant to be. Uh, let's see here. A few more, and then we're going to get out of here for tonight, you guys. Uh, bear with me. This comment stream tonight on our end is just hard to uh, keep keep track of Kristen says whether you all believe he is or not he needs to play we need to pick a guy stick with him build around him I'm saying that as well let's get to this question from Andy do you guys think that the Broncos need to start lock and keep him whatever outcomes are shown to give Elway a lesson that quarterback development takes time and is not something that is overnight and Zach 
your I want your answer on that. But my take on this is even if even if Drew Lock comes out, whatever sample size he's given this year, even if he comes out and doesn't do well, it's not enough to turn away from him as the possible solution long term. Right. If he bombs, let's say he has two starts this season and he bombs them, they, the Broncos shouldn't hide him next offseason. They shouldn't bury him on the depth chart. They should give him every opportunity to show those two games were not the the, 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 the end-all, be-all form. But I was thinking while reading that question, Elway doesn't know by now that quarterback development takes time. Being a Hall of Fame quarterback himself and all the different quarterbacks he's drafted and brought in, yes, it takes time. Yes, it's not overnight, but you have to get the guy on the field at some point just to see for the last time, good or bad. There's really no in-between, I think, for Drew Locke. All right, a couple more, and then we got to say good night. Buona Bisa says, Elway said that Flacco is not going to be his man moving forward. It'd be horrible if he is with the team next year. No, the, the Broncos have said word zero about uh, Joe Flacco since the injury, other than what Elway said, basically that, you know, Joe did all that he could for us, and it's unfortunate the way that shook out. And that's about it. We're not going to see any overtures in public uh, remarks, statements by the team on that until the spring. But I would be stunned, Zach, absolutely flabbergasted if – Joe Flacco remains with the Broncos in 2020 and beyond. Here's what's going to happen. In January and February in the season-ending press conferences, they're going to talk up Flacco or at least be, you know, talking him as a part of the future operation of the Broncos, and they're going to give every indication he's going to be with the team. And then come March or April, he's going to be cut or traded just like that. That's how the Broncos operate. That's how the NFL is. It's a business, and he hasn't provided the Broncos with a good return on investment. So he'll be gone. I don't think any question about that. Adan says, I believe Jeff Hireman has worn out his welcome. Should Denver look to the draft or another or free agents for another or free agency? Zach, you know, they they have another iron in the fire. As Yoda said, there is another. You got Jake Butt waiting in the wings. You can't really count on him because that knee has been extremely volatile since the Broncos drafted him. But there is a chance. I mean, you got to remember up until, you know, um, well, the Broncos were were they really believed Jake Butt was going to be their tight end of the future. And it, if not for that knee, he would probably be the starter right now. And the team probably wouldn't have drafted no offense if the knee didn't be, wasn't a problem for Butt last year, but it was. So they're like, look, we can't count on it. We're going to take no offense. If for some, if a football miracle unfolds, Zach and the football gods bless the Broncos next spring and you get a healthy Jake, Butt in a contract year, you know, I don't think you really need to go crazy on the free agent market because you know there's a chance Jake Butt might be something. You've got Noah Fant, first and foremost, that solves 90% of your problem. Right. And then you got the possibility Jake Butt, you got Troy Fumagalli, and Andrew Beck has shown out pretty well as a blocker. So, you know, I'm really not all that worried about the future of the tight end position. Jeff Hireman, I think I don't think he's a Bronco this time next year. He's not, and to me, I know you're a little higher on him than I've been, Chad, but to me, he's just another guy, and he hasn't provided the the, the draft value that we thought we were getting with him, and they just used, though, a first-round pick on Noah Fan. I mean, what more do you want in terms of investing in that position? They'll maybe sign a blocking tight end or some cheap tight end on the open market, but they're not going to devote resources anymore after using a first-round pick and seeing Fan start to sort of develop now into that guy we think he can be. So I think they're set there for the long haul. All right, last one, you guys, and we got to sign off for tonight. Aaron says, I know we just put a lot of money towards Jawan James, but with his injury history and current injuries, do you think there's any reasonable chance of Denver moving on from him this offseason? Contractually, from a dollars and cents perspective, I'd have to go and look at over the cap, but I don't think 
financially it's feasible for Denver to get out from that contract till year three. So the answer is no. He's going to be a Bronco in 2020, I think, Zach. And personnel-wise, too, let's say they're going to replace Garrett Bowles next offseason. You can't replace a left tackle and a right tackle while starting a young quarterback, potentially a first-round quarterback. So he'll come back hopefully healthy in 2020, and he still was a very capable tackle with the Dolphins. They invested $50 million in the guy, and considering they're going to swallow some dead money from Joe Flacco, I don't think they want to do that, too, with Jawan James. So I'm with you, Chad. I think he'll be a Bronco next season and probably beyond. Well, you guys, thanks for hanging out with us here tonight and bearing with our technical difficulties. I'm looking at the comment stream right now. The most recent comment, and I know there are more, a lot more recent, is from 629, and that was 13 minutes ago. So apologies that we're not able to see all the comments like we normally can in real time and feature them on the screen and answer all your great questions. But it's a uh, problem here with whatever's going on with our StreamYard service. And by the way, coming in, two-minute warning. Thank you, Christy. $20 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you. Uh, Again, we're going to have some really cool things to announce for our Super Chat donators on uh, YouTube next week when we unveil what's coming down the pike with our Huddle Up podcast merch. So stay tuned for that. But, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Thanks to Nick for taking some time to come on and answer some questions. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can see where to follow my partner here on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned because we will be back in the saddle with another live podcast for you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. We'll see what Monday morning has to, uh, you know, for us to break down what kind of news. We'll get a chance to hear from Coach Fangio Monday morning. We'll get to hopefully find out whether or not the Broncos plan on or actually are going to activate Locke for practice this week. So hopefully by the time you guys hear from us again tomorrow night, Zach, they'll, there'll be some some things to digest and analyze. Yeah, and like Nick, I'm fairly confident this is the week we'll see Drew Locke, at least at practice, and that'll give the fan base, I think, enough hope that we'll see him at some point this season. It'll just be good to see the guy out there working with the Broncos offense and getting finally back into the swing of things. All right, you guys. And if by chance there are other Super Chat donators from tonight, we just it's not allowing us to see it live. So we will circle back and uh, talk to everybody about this tomorrow night. And again, thanks everybody for joining us and bearing with us on the technical issues. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys Monday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 